0: All right. Welcome to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. You know the deal. It's Ryan Hickey. It's George Bremmer. There's no big intro. There's no excitement to start. Because you know why, George? This is truly the one pod I dreaded. This is the one pod I was praying would never come to fruition. But here we are. It ten twenty three on Friday, March 10th. And we are recording a pod in which the one thing we talked about this offseason that could not happen, could not happen, has happened. The Colts have gotten jumped. The Colts have gotten jumped, not by the Seahawks at number five, not by the Raiders at seven, by the Frank Reich-led Carolina Panthers as they go from number nine to number one. Initially, I'll throw this out there, George. I had never felt, as a Colts fan, this dejected, this down on the future, this depressed, like I do right now since the day Andrew Luck retired. On that August day in 2019, there's been – and we've seen some bad stuff this entire year. Throw it up, throw it in the incinerator, and, and never see it again. 33 nothing to the, the Vikings blowing that lead. Still do not feel the way I feel today. You look at some of the embarrassing losses that Jeff Saturday hired. Do not feel the way I feel today. The Carson Wentz experience and that game in Jacksonville to end the 2021 season, an absolute heartbreak. Do not feel the same way I feel today. This – this was, a, I feel, George, I'm not be hyperbolic here, caught up in the moment. This feels like a major death blow to so the next five years. We've been talking about this is a massive five-year offseason, and right now we're sitting here, when you get jumped, the Panthers are controlling the draft now, number one, and at best, you are picking the third quarterback in this draft. It's a colossal failure. It is a colossal failure by Chris Bowden and the Colts.
1: Yeah, and you might be picking the fourth quarterback by the time the draft uh, actually rolls around. I mean, Arizona has made it pretty well known that they are putting that number three pick up for sale. Uh, and if some of the reports now are true, and it's it, you know we'll we'll see how things go. But if some of the reports now are true, and Carolina did in fact go up with CJ Stroud in mind, uh, I don't know. There's a reason to go up to three uh, for for Indianapolis. So you may well be picking fourth overall. And yeah, there's no join mudville today. Uh, I know. You know, I, I've seen a lot of reaction on Twitter. People are happy they kept the picks. You know, I'm good. If you're happy today, I am happy for you because uh, it's great to have optimism out there. It's great to, you know, want to believe and and buy into these plans. There were two quarterbacks in this draft that I thought could help the Colts this year. And right now it doesn't look like either one of them is going to land in Indianapolis. And so for me, I think it's from my standpoint, the media covering this team, uh, I think it's the same old, same old. It's what we've seen the last three years. The Colts sitting around either being too patient or, you know, not wanting to make an aggressive move and letting the rest of the league pick for them who their quarterback's going to be. Doesn't mean that you can't end up hitting a pot of gold. I mean, who knows? Maybe one of these other guys will hit and become a star. Um, I think that's the one way this turns around. And you mentioned that, uh, you know, while we were talking before we hit record here, you know, the one saving grace here is that, one of these other guys comes in and 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 you know is a big hit. Maybe you land a situation like Geno Smith last year. You end up with a veteran, and it's just the right guy at the right time, and he has a terrific season. Uh, but right now, it I I had said for a long time. I think I said it on the air. If not, uh, I definitely have said it off the air quite a bit. You know that this this off season, you either end up with Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Where in my mind, it's a failure. And right now, today, I don't see them ending up with Bryce Young or
0: CJ Stroud. If you're a Colts fan today, and you're happy, I hate you. I I, I hate you. Because you know what, George? Like, this is, it, it's go time. And you know me, I've been a crisp out apologist. I thought when everyone's calling for him to get fired, I thought he should return this offseason. Because I really thought this was finally the offseason he learned. I thought this was... Or this past year was was finally the the, the wake up call he needed to realize the importance of the quarterback position, to stop with the band-aids year on and year out and realize I gotta get serious. We gotta get the guy here. And when you and we talked about this at sitting there at number four, you have to control the draft. This is going to be the last time Chris Ballard, or we thought heading into the draft before this pick was made, this is gonna be the last quarterback Chris Ballard was going to draft. And what you got to do if you're Chris Ballard, and this is kind of all, you know, make or break here, you have to control your destiny. You have to control your destiny, get the quarterback you love the most. And at least if it doesn't work out, if it is Bryce sung like we want and he sucks, okay, fine, at least you went down swinging. At least you went down on your own, you know, on your own accord, not allowing the rest of the draft and the rest of the league to pick for you where now Chris Ballard's um, career, if it's even still alive, if you're Jim Mercy after this, Um, Now, at best, you're relying on the third or, like you said, maybe the fourth quarterback in this draft, and you are praying a true miracle happens. Now, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson come in and somehow are the next coming of Josh Allen 2.0 like in year one, and all of a sudden that saves your job. Outside of that .00001% chance of that happening, you are as good as gone. And I just don't understand when you look at what the Panthers gave up. They gave up their own first overall pick, the ninth pick. The 61st pick, which is a second-round pick. So they gave up this year's first-round pick and second-round pick. Next year's first-round and second-round pick and DJ Moore. I get the Colts to not have a DJ Moore, right? If the Bears wanted a receiver for Justin Fields, Michael Pittman Jr. is solid. He's not on DJ Moore's level. But okay, I'm sure you could add Michael Pittman Jr. and another pick. You could have found a way – to match what the Panthers gave you at bare minimum. Because again, we talked about this. I think the Bears really tried their best or really wanted to in a perfect world, make two trades. Trade to either two or four and then trade down again. And I have no idea if they try to call the Texans and they said, no, I have no idea if they tried, if they try to call the Colts and said, they said, no. I would assume if Ryan polls the good GM, he would have Chris Ballard on the phone after he got this offer from the Panthers to say, hey, this is what is offering. You match it, you get the number one overall pick. And I'm gonna guess Chris Ballard clearly said thanks, but no thanks. We're not gonna do that. And now again, you have lost all control. You have gave up controlling the draft. And I think you got yourself fired as someone who likes Chris Ballard, who really wants him to succeed, who's really happy when he came here in 2017 and likes the philosophy and buys into building your team from the inside out. You just got yourself fired for being too scared, too prudent with the picks. And again, It just shows, in someone who I thought learned his lesson, clearly, clearly did not. Clearly did not. As we sit here again, as the Panthers jump you, he was not desperate. He was not all in at going number one overall. And now, again, the Colts are, they're screwed, George. They're screwed.
1: It definitely felt like a deal that the Colts could have made. You know, when you look at what was given up, um, what it tells us is he didn't have conviction in one of those top guys. I mean, that's the first thing we know. Uh, he had told us before, you know, that that's what it would take to go up. So and and I wonder, you know, this is one of the, the areas here. I wonder how much that has to do with the late co-tiring. We were talking, you know, quite a bit in in the past couple of weeks about Shane Steichen being a big part of this decision, uh, Shane and his staff. And the fact that, you know, that whole process took longer than expected uh, and even this, the process of, of Shane finishing his staff took longer than expected. It had to have some impact here uh, because I don't think the Colts had enough time to come up with that number one quarterback and develop the conviction that you need to go up there. Now it sounds interesting because while there is a report out there that, that the Panthers are leaning towards CJ Stroud, there's also a lot of talk that they they have not, they are far from finalized that they have not, you know, that there necessarily wasn't one guy. It's, it sounds more like San Francisco when they moved up a couple of years ago and took Trey Lance. Than a situation, you know, when Philadelphia went over Carson Wentz, and there was a specific target. It doesn't sound like that's the case right now. Uh, maybe the Panthers are trying to to get that out there because of smoke screens, like we we're talking about being lying season. Um, but you know, it's interesting that they were willing to do that without, at least right now, reportedly without that conviction on one guy, and the Colts were not. Um, you know, I, I don't know where this leads. Um, I think that's one of the big questions now, you know, you've got to have a lot of faith now, uh, if you're a Colts fan and Anthony Richardson and his ability to develop or in Will Levis and his ability to de- develop, if it was me, if I was in the seat, making the call right now, I might pass on a quarterback at four, go after somebody like Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, you know, fill that massive need, uh, for a young pass rusher that's been here for a while and then go after Hendon hooker. When I mean, we had talked about that way back during the season. That that might actually be my plan B, and I think that's where I would go right now, uh, if I was the guy making, you know, calling the shots. The problem with that, if you're Chris Ballard, is Hendon Hooker's probably not going to play in 2023. Uh, there's a there's an outside chance, maybe around midseason or later. Uh, you know, he he was optimistic at, at the combine that he'd be ready to go by training camp. But that means he's going to miss your entire spring just taking mental reps. There, it's hard to imagine a rookie coming in and being ready to play, you know, before midseason in, in a scenario like that. He's also 25, so I think that's another element here that that's got to come into play. He's on the older side for a rookie to begin with, and he's not going to play his rookie year. Certainly not a perfect situation. Uh, Richardson, the upside is tremendous, but I've been saying for a while he doesn't really fit. If you listen to the to the things, and we've talked about this several times, if you listen to the things that Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard said they want in their quarterback, none of them really match up with Anthony Richardson. They've been talking primarily about accuracy and uh, decision-making, which we just don't see on tape from him. Now, Shane Steichen did say you can teach accuracy, and so maybe they look at that huge ceiling that Richardson has and say, okay, let's go there. Maybe that buys Chris Ballard more time because that ceiling is there and they understand that it's a project sign kind of a situation, even though Richardson doesn't, doesn't like that label very much. Um, Will Levis, same thing. You know, not the decision making's not there on tape. Too many times does he make a bad decision and, and throw an interception. So I don't know that he checks those boxes as well, uh, which makes you wonder, do they pivot now to the veteran market, which we've seen them do the last three years? That does not seem like a path to significant improvement in 2023. The one big move out there, I think Daniel Jeremiah already is talking about on Twitter, would be Lamar Jackson. You know, obviously right now his market has not heated up uh, to the to the extent that I think he would like or maybe even the Ravens would like. I got a lot of questions there, though. We talked about it earlier this week, uh, you know, the injury component there and, and, and how much – pause that gives you but also i'm not sure that baltimore is not just going to match whatever deal is is out there it felt a lot to me when the ravens put this tag on him that it's a way for them to get somebody else to do their work for them you know you've been trying to negotiate for a while and it hasn't happened let another team sit down with them and work out the deal and then you can match it and if they do and, and and that's the question you know what would it take For the Colts to match that deal or to to make a deal that Baltimore can't match. And then are you willing to give up two first round picks there when you weren't to go get, you know, one of the rookies in this class? I don't know. You know, it comes down to conviction again. That's always the word here. You'd have to have, you know, that conviction that that Lamar Jackson's worth those two ones. Uh, And then you've got to find a way to make it work. They don't have a lot of money. We've talked about that. There's not a lot of room under the salary cap, so I don't think it's gonna be a front-loaded deal uh that gets it done. I I don't know. After that, I the options become pretty thin. You know, you start looking at Jimmy Garoppolo, uh Jameis Winston, oh. Gardner oh. Minshew. Oh. You know, it's 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 not Marcus Mariota. It's not a really deep and exciting veteran class. So that's why all along I said you know, they, they should go up to one because you had always the possibility that somebody else was going to drop jump you. Um, but at this point, you're now banking on, like you said, a small percentage chance that Anthony Richardson's ready to win in year one. Or a small percentage chance that Will Levis is ready to win in year one, I don't know that that's ideal, you know, compared to where else they could go. Um, I know the the spin is going to be from the team and, and from Chris Ballard is going to be that they wanted to protect those picks. I just feel like you're at a point in this league right now where the quarterback's the most important thing. You can replace everything else eventually. Anything else you give up, like Carolina did if they're right now, that's a big thing. They paid a hefty price, so they better be right on the guy that they pick. But if they're right, no one will look back at this and and say that it was too expensive because everything else they gave up, they'll find a way to replace that. If they get the right quarterback, that's what this all comes down to. Now the Colts have got to find a way to do that in a much more difficult environment uh, than it was, you know, earlier today.
0: The, the pick hugging is another thing that just drives me crazy. Look, Fright, if you want to get your franchise quarterback, I get it's a a risk in the draft. And I get all these four, you know, quarterbacks that are projected to go in the first round, all could suck. There is absolutely that chance, and we are just sitting here, you know, or we could be sitting here five years from now looking back and laughing at all four because they're out of league in three years and and the Panthers maybe are idiots because they traded up all this and then their quarterback flopped and was a bust. It's a real risk. I get it. But also at the same time, it could also be a massive boost where, if you hit, you basically hit the lottery. You hit the lottery, you get your franchise quarterback, you get him on a cheap deal, and those picks you gave up are meaningless. You don't care about them. You're not worried about them. If the Colts trade up to number one, whatever quarterback you want, and they got that guy and he hit, and we are seeing in year one some real strides and some real signs of, oh, this guy could be like legit. This is the Colts on a really good spot. You will not care that next year they don't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick. You will not care. So I don't care about having the fourth overall pick this year or whatever pick. I mean, maybe number one, maybe I'll care next year with how bad this team is, and we'll talk about some options here in a second, but it's not looking great whatsoever. That's not, you know, it's not going to do you anything having a first-round pick in next year's draft if you are, again, don't have a quarterback. The the the, the hugging of the picks, and it goes back to what you said some people were happy today. Of, oh, good thing we didn't pay that massive price to go trip to number one. No, I'm sorry, you're wrong. You are wrong. You have to pay the price sometimes to be great, and that's what you got to do. It's a risk worth taking, especially, again, considering where the Colts are right now in quarterback hell the last five years. The fact that Chris Ballard's job is on the line, you have to be more aggressive. That's why when you say, George, he didn't have the conviction, clearly he did not on any of the four guys. We heard him last week at at the scouting combine saying right now he feels no conviction for one guy over the other three, and that's why right now he would not trade up. I thought he was just playing coy and trying to drive that price down for the Bears. Clearly, he was just telling us the truth straight up and didn't work. But you know what, George? Even if right now you don't feel conviction on one of the four guys, you still should trade up to number one because I would imagine by the time this draft process is over, whether it's you or whether it's Shane Sykin, you will pick one or you will find, not even pick, you will kind of both like this is the guy. I think you will find the guy in this draft class. And again, we talked about it. and You mentioned it before. Shane Sykin was a late hire. So, I mean, he was at the, at the Combine last week still, you know, in, in the early days without a full staff. So it's like he barely was able to get any sort of homework done on these quarterbacks. So, of course, he had no idea last week of which guy he loved more than the others. But they both were in lockstep in terms of what traits they wanted, which should mean that they are going to kind of both zone in or, or, or kind of hone in, I should say, On the same guy. I think that there's a a true franchise quarterback out of these four. Me personally, I think it's Bryce Young. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson. But again, I think there's definitely one of the four here in this draft class. And if you are number one, you can get him. And now again, like I think you'll have the conviction by the time April 27th comes around. And that's why you still should make the deal and just then figure out in the next month and a half. Who do we want? then you really dive in because you don't have to worry about anyone jumping over you. You don't have to be secretive. You can actually just do every little bit of homework you need to do to find the guy. I think they would have found the guy. And now we're sitting here again, best case scenario, George, if they decide, and that's, we'll get into quarterback options here in a second because now the, the, the math drastically changes at best, you're picking the third best quarterback. It's hard to feel a lot of conviction about the third best quarterback, maybe the fourth best quarterback, it's super hard to feel conviction about the fourth best quarterback. So it was like you screwed yourself. And again, the, the 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 exact carousel, if you want to call it, the quarterback carousel. You try to get off and and it at the post game or or the uh, end of the season press conference about how you will do whatever it takes to move up to get the guy if you determine someone to be the guy and get off the quarterback carousel. They're right back on it. They're in the front seat. George are in the driver's seat for next year to do this all over again. Uh, Again,
1: again, you know, we'll we'll see come November. We'll see. I think that's the big thing. It it definitely the one thing I I probably don't agree on is I don't think you can go up if you don't have the conviction. I, I think the Carolina situation is a little bit different in the sense that it sounds like they have conviction on multiple guys. It's not that they don't have conviction on one. They feel good about going up for multiple guys is what I've heard. If that's true, then you do it. I think you it's too much to give up in the hope that you're gonna find the guy. By that same token, it in the to the extent that I do agree with that, that, that line of thinking is that you're gonna have a lot of regret come, you know, April 15th, April 16th, if you have decided on one of these guys and now there's no other way up. I think that's the tough thing about this, and the reason I was always, you know, in favor of going up to number one this year is that there's no way to get to two. Houston's not going to trade with Thank you to you. get the two. Yes. And so, you know, you can't – it was always going to be you either went to one or you were going to, at best, get the third-best quarterback. That was always the reality for the Colts. That's why I would have gone up to one. Uh, but at the end of the day, if they do feel like there's there's not enough separation and they're okay with any of these three guys or any of these four guys you want to throw Will Evis into that, then you have to you have to go with your conviction one way or the other. If that's your conviction, I don't agree with it, but you've got to go with it because uh, it's just it's too expensive of, of a move not to. Uh, now, to me, there was risk both ways and I think that's the thing that hasn't been talked enough about. Staying put is just as risky as paying the price because now, now you've got to hope that Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson or whoever goes above you is not looking in November like a you know, future star in this league, uh, because then it's going to be a lot of questions unless you've got your own guy. That's why right at the top, I was saying the big key now is you better be riding whatever you do this year. You know, whether that is drafting a quarterback still and going forward with one of these guys or whether it's finding, you know, another way to get it done Um, because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And that's one thing that Ballard has said again and again and again, that I think is a hundred percent true is that, The instant reaction doesn't matter. You know, the way you feel, the way the headlines are written, the day a move is made or not made isn't really important. At the bottom line is, you know, what comes out in the wash at the end of the season. I think where Ballard's in trouble right now is he's lost a lot of that benefit of the doubt. You know, previously, if he's saying be patient and hang in there and there's a plan, there was reason to believe in it. There were things that had happened that suggested that you know that, that the route may still be really good. I think that's eroded over the last few years. And coming off a of four twelve and one season, it's going to be really hard to sell the fan base on the idea that you know just wait we'll make the right move. Uh, and I think that's that's the issue now. Uh, now it still doesn't matter until you get out there on the field. If you end up with Anthony Richardson and he's a phenom and he puts it all together and he's the next Josh Allen, then people won't care so much. But again, if you end up you know, without that star quarterback and there are one or two elsewhere in the league, potentially in your own division uh, that are, it's going to be a really bitter pill to swallow. And I think it was an avoidable situation. I don't think this is something that was out of their hands, you know, and I think at the end of the day, that's where it's going to be measured by to me, one way or another, this was a huge pivotal moment in Chris Ballard's reign here as, as general manager. Because they didn't make the move, Carolina did, and now we'll see what the fallout is. But I think one way or another, this is tremendously impactful on him. You've got to find a way now to improve this offense, which was the worst offense in the NFL last year, and get it to a point where it can win games, and your best asset
0: for doing that is no longer available to you. But the thing, too, George, is – and Chris Ballard is right in the sense of what we're saying right now doesn't matter. Our emotions, our thoughts on them not trading up, truly doesn't matter because, like I said, if it is Anthony Richardson that picked three or four and he is Josh Allen times 10, okay, fine. Who At the end of the day, fans – you know, we only care about winning. So if you win, fine, it's a great pick. But the reality, though, too, is for Chris Ballard, whoever he picks at at three or four, he's not really picking. Like, that's the thing, like, we we – you know – when he's done, when he doesn't jump to number one, like how much credit is he actually going to get for whatever quarterback they take? Cause he's not really the one picking it or picking that quarterback. Really it's being picked for him because now the Panthers will we'll get into here in a second, but reportedly they are circling it and they have CJ Stroud as basically is what's early uh, reports that he's their guy. And that's who most likely right now on March 10th, that's who the Panthers are going to draft uh, CJ Stroud. And let's say that Bryce Young goes number two to the Texans. Well, if the Colts get Anthony Richardson at three, he felt like, like he's in your lap, he's at three. Did, did you really make that? Like if you're Jim Merce valid in Chris Ballard's decision, did you really did he really make a decision? Like did, did he really do it? Like he didn't the thing that bothers me, George, is he did not take destiny into his own hands. And I get right now you could say if you don't, you know, you don't know who you're you're drafting, don't make the move. But at the end of the day, with the Texans that are sitting there at two, I don't think you almost have, you don't really have the luxury of being patient or have the luxury right now, if oh, we're going to really take our time and then we're, you know, we're going to on April 26th, find who our quarterback one is and then see if we can do it from there. Because when you say you can like a guy two weeks from now, I guess what, he's not, probably not going to be there at either one or two. And now too, not only do you miss that, if, if, whether it's, however, the draft shakes out, but if their quarterback one is CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, and they end up on the Texans and they kick their ass for the next decade, Again, it's not only the fact that you miss out on the quarterback. It's now the fact that you have to face that quarterback twice a year, every year. And that's really why there should be even more urgency to move up. Just because again, if you don't get him, he's going to be beating you either. You know, if you can't beat him, join him. I know it's kind of the reverse here. You got to basically join him so they don't beat you, but it's just like now you're sitting here and it's just whoever the Texans take, I think you're going to be kicking yourself for a while. Most likely because that was a guy that again you're gonna be seeing now and you could have had if you were aggressive you're passive and now you're seeing again your division rival getting a quarterback that could be with with Trevor Lawrence here the two faces of the division and you get even further back in the division and you should still uh have a chance to uh to control it. it's that it's it's really disappointing. Like, not to sound like a parent, and I don't have any kids, so I really don't know what that feeling is like. You can speak on that better than I can, George. But, like, I feel, as someone who really likes and defended Chris Ballard for a while, I just feel disappointed that you kind of buy in again and again and give him the benefit of the doubt. And even when he's being doubted, still believe that he can actually turn around and fix it. And then when it's truly judgment day, when it's truly decision day as, it, as today was, you see the same mistake happen. The same cautiousness, the same concerns that have that have put the Colts at times in this quarterback hole to begin with have led them right back down a path where they could have a really tough time getting out the next few years. It's maddening. That, it's so disappointing.
1: At the end of the day, that's my concern with not making the move is that it's it's doing the same, it's going that same route that, that you've been on for the last few years and, and not, you know, taking the bull by the horns. Um, but you know, I, I disagree with the not getting any credit for it, I don't think anybody looks at Tom Telesco and says, you know, Justin Herbert wasn't his pick and the same thing happened. I mean, they sat there at six and, you know, Joe Burrow went one and Tua went five and they had Herbert and they took him. And, you know, I don't think anybody feels like that wasn't a win for the chargers. uh, But, you know, that's, that's the question right now. And if that's, that's why it's hard for me to go all the way on a decision right now. I do not like the way things went today. I do not think it was in the best interest of the Colts, but I also know the story is not written at this point. uh, And that's the big question. If Ballard in fact has some conviction on a guy who he thinks will be there at four, I don't know that he does. He said he didn't at the, at the combine. So we'll see how that plays out. But if he does in fact have some conviction on whether it's Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, or whether it's a second round pick on him and hooker and that guy does eventually become you know, the, the next face of this franchise, then I think it's going to be looked at a lot differently in the end. But right now it's hard to buy into that because again, you've lost the benefit of the doubt over the way things have gone the last few years, you know, Philip rivers. Hey, that worked out pretty well. I would also argue it was the most aggressive of the moves they made at that point. It wasn't the most aggressive move. They could have made that offseason, but it was a fairly aggressive move to go and spend $25 million on a guy coming off a bad year, that the Chargers were just kind of giving up on, uh, and you went and you got him, and it worked out. So good. But then after that, the Carson Wentz move wasn't very aggressive the way it played out. You kind of passed on Matthew Stafford, let things play out, passed on trading up in the draft that year or taking the chance to and end up with Carson Wentz. And then last year, they literally just waited, let the musical chairs play out, grabbed you know one of the last quarterbacks standing. It shuffled around. Matt Ryan came out possible something like that happens again this year I mean there' I'm I'm willing to allow for the fact that there are situations out there right now that, that we're not thinking are going to change that will there may be somebody else in the mix before all this is said and done who you're not thinking about right now but it didn't turn out very well last year so I don't know that going down last year's path is necessarily should be playing a either uh, that that's what it comes back to for me is that you you've done this. Now, three years in a row, only one of those years did it work. And it's different because it could still be a draft pick. um, But, you know, the odds of it hitting, I don't know. And again, it really comes down to how you feel about it. Because I guarantee you there's listeners out right now who don't care. Because they truly were fine with any of those top four quarterbacks. And they still are. And if that's the way you're feeling right now, there's no wrong answer to this. I think that's the ultimate thing. Until we know. Right now, we don't know. I definitely have feelings, you know, what I think is going to happen. Uh, and I think we've made those very clear on here. I thought Bryce Young, I still think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this draft. I think he's got the best chance of becoming a star. I think he's the guy that I would have bought in on and, and you know, gone for. But it doesn't sound like even Carolina felt that way, at least not right now. Uh, and after that, I thought CJ Stroud was the guy with the next best shot. And then I thought it was a drop after that. And the next tier to me is guys who aren't ready right now, but we will find out. And that's the great, that's what makes the NFL the greatest reality show going because you know, it plays out before your eyes uh, and we will see how things play out now. But I know this, there are going to be a lot of questions about whoever got drafted about how much belief there really is in them because of what was said leading up to it. So does that matter in the long run? No, it matters what they do when they get on the field, but this rookie's going to have a harder time if there is a quarterback taking it for right now. It'll be similar when Frank Wright came in. Everyone will kind of have the idea that you weren't the first option and you're going to have to deal with that as well as as everything else that normally goes into, you know, coming into the NFL and trying to get accustomed to the
0: league. It's just the definition of insanity like I said, waiting, 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 it's really now worked out for you and here they are waiting again. Two quick things I want to throw by here before we get into quarterback options. Number one, if they do indeed draft either Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, assuming C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young in some order go one and two to the Panthers and Texans, what this also does is put an immense amount of pressure either on Chris Bowd or the next GM that's going to be picking a lot of these players because with, with all the raw talent that they have and so much, you know, um coaching needed so much refinement needed it's obviously a lot of pressure on Shane Sykin to get the most out of them but it's also too a lot of pressure on the GM to get the best team around them. like not only now do you have to hit on Anthony Richardson you also have to hit on whether it's drafting trading signing multiple wide receivers the offensive line making sure that's ready to go make sure the defense is playing at a high level because look at the bills right the comp you hear about Anthony Richardson so much is Josh Allen when you see Josh Allen's growth and development from year one to two to three. The Bills were a playoff team, first of all, when they drafted Josh Allen. The Bills were not, when they drafted Josh Allen, where the Colts are right now. So that's first and foremost. The, the, the Bills were 10 times better than the Colts were. So they already had a really solid infrastructure in place for Josh Allen to start, you know, nurturing in. And then he was had some rookie, you know, ups and downs, just inconsistent the first two years. Then they go and get Stephon Diggs. And all of a sudden now, that great receiver really helps Josh Allen take off. So when you have such a a project or a a raw talent like an Anthony Richardson, it's not only getting the quarterback right and making sure his development is going on, you know, at at a pace that you believe in is actually working, but it's also getting great talent around him to elevate him to make his development that much easier, which, again, we see uh, with the Chiefs like Patrick Mahomes or, you know, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is the best example. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. The Chiefs don't have to be great at every position. The Chiefs just won a Super Bowl with a wide receiver room that was arguably worse than the Colts, if not equal, with, with MVS, Marquez, Valdez, with Juju Smith, Schuster, Kadarius uh, Tony was a write-off on the Giants. Like, there's not a lot of talent there. But Patrick Holmes is so great, he made everyone around them uh, around him better. It's going to have to be the reverse. You're going to have to have the entire team lift up Anthony Richardson, uh, Richardson, especially early on, which just puts extra pressure and, again, makes every draft pick the ones you're holding on to. So now you really got to make it worth it you have to hit on, you know, if you have seven picks a draft, bare minimum five as, like, legitimate starters all across your team to make the development easier. It just makes your job as a GM, again, so much harder. So you can say, oh, Chris Ballard, you know, you know, oh, didn't want to be aggressive, didn't want to waste all that draft capital, make it difficult to build a team or on the young quarterback. Sure, but now that you're taking on most likely a project, it's also going to be super hard because now you have to make sure the other 52 guys are really damn good and kind of do what the 49ers are doing that makes the quarterback position less impactful because everyone around them is so, is so talented. And that's, again, takes years. It's not easy to do. The unless other thing I the, want to, Oh, sorry. George. Unless you're the worst
1: team in the league in the right year, like when Andrew Luck's available or Peyton Manning's available or Joe Burrow's available, there's yeah. nothing easy about, about the quarterback. And that's why to me, you you got to pay up. Um, and I also think, you know, along those lines, That's why I just want to jump in real quick on the air and say, that's why I've not been big on, on Anthony Richardson connecting him to the Colts. Not because I don't see the upside. Everybody does. It's obvious what this kid's potential is. I stood there, uh, you know, inside Luke oil stadium and watched him stand flat footed and flick his wrist and throw a ball 50 yards in the air. It's pretty clear (laughs) why people are excited about this guy, but you're going to have to change your, your approach if you draft him as well. Because the idea of just, you know, kind of looking for bargains and wait, you're going to, like you said, you're going to have to go out and get some playmakers and give him that help and help him develop. You, it doesn't happen on its own. There are very few Joe Burrows out there, very few Patrick Mahomes out there. And even Burrow has really good receivers that they went and found right. for him. You know, it, it's very seldom that the quarterback can do it by themselves. And I think it, with Levis and in Richardson in particular, you're going to have to really do a job of, of, getting that team up around them so that they can reach the ceilings that they have. Uh, and I, and I think it'll be interesting how it plays out. Now, if you're Ballard, maybe you get a little bit extra rope because you're waiting to see how these guys do. I don't know. I don't know what's going through Jim Mersey's mind uh, right now. He obviously didn't, you know, demand a trade to happen uh, or it would have. So
0: we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Okay, this has been for the most part so far a, a very vent heavy podcast. I, by nature, George, I'm not sure about yourself. Are you an optimist or like a pessimist? How do you kind of look at life down the middle? You shade one way or another? I think I'm a realist most realist. Of the time. That's I'm actually, that's to, definitely you know? the way. fair. You're a realist, you live in reality. I do not. I'll be honest. I will fully admit, I am an optimist by nature. I always try to look at the glass half full. Okay, so when when it comes to the Colts now, to try to give an optimistic but, I think, realistic view. I want to get your thoughts, especially coming from yourself as a realist. Tell me how realistic this is. Early reports are that the Panthers, like C.J. Shroud, that's the guy that they have in mind they want to draft. Let's say that report is true. C.J. Shroud, off the board, number one to the Panthers. Number two are the Texans. This week, a lot this week, there's been reports from established, well-respected NFL insiders that say there's an internal push for the Texans to sign Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. Obviously, D'Amico Ryans is from the San Francisco 49er tree. Bobby Slowick is uh, their offense coordinator. He is also from San Francisco. They obviously not only know Jimmy G well, they know the 49er situation in which they had Jimmy G on the roster and traded up to go get Trey Lance, who is out of basically the same mold as Anthony Richardson. A lot of talent. Super high upside, very raw prospect, and very shaky film from college, very up and down. What are the chances the Texans model what the 49ers did? They signed Jimmy G, and then I picked two, draft Anthony Richardson.
1: I don't think it's completely out off the board. I think it's more likely if one of two things happen, if either the Panthers take Bryce Young And that's the guy that they they actually went up for, uh, in which case I think Houston would almost certainly pivot to Anthony Richardson. Uh, Or the other one is if they do have concerns about Bryce Young's size, uh, it would be interesting to bring Jimmy G in to be, you know, the guy because you're worried about the rookie getting hurt. That would be an interesting move to make given his NFL history so far. Um, But, you know, that could happen, too. I don't see it uh, because I think, at least from what I've heard, and we'll see, lying season, you know, that's always the the asterisk on everything, uh, is that D'Amico Ryans, at least, is a big fan uh, of Bryce Young. There's that Alabama connection. He's no doubt talked to the coaches down there. He probably has a lot of info on Bryce Young. And from everything I've heard, he's a big fan of Bryce Young. So I would be surprised if they pass on Bryce Young, uh, even if they did go and get Jimmy G. But stranger things happen. I mean, you know, that the, this league is full of surprises every year. Um, I wouldn't put it – I wouldn't put a really high percentage on it. But I think there's a better chance of them going a Richardson route if the Panthers draft Bryce Young. I think the hope there for the Colts would be that Bryce Young goes one overall, Houston decides to go with Garoppolo and Richardson, and then they've got a shot at C.J. Stroud. I think that would be the the best possible outcome for Indianapolis. Uh, But even then, you know, I wonder about Jimmy G from his standpoint, is Houston, your best destination. If they're grooming another quarterback behind you and they almost certainly will be, is that really where you want to go? Would you rather go to the Raiders or the commanders or somebody else who at least is going to be more uh, promising a longer leash, you know, and giving you the team, not necessarily looking to pass it off to somebody else.
0: So I would put it at about a twenty-five percent chance that this happens, but at least my hope right now, and the only thing I could save Chris Ballard and I save this entire thing from being a complete debacle, and for those Bryce Young fans out there, the Colts laying Bryce Young, Stroud one of the Panthers, you sign Jimmy G. I, let me get, let me get your thoughts on this then, I guess, because I forgot to mention this before, but at least to get into, you know, to at least show you what I'm thinking, if the Texans do sign Jimmy G. I think you're you're not signing Jimmy G if you're Houston to also draft Bryce Young. I have no idea how they feel about Bryce Young, um, but I think if you I don't know how they feel about CJ Stroud, but if they do sign in this next week and legal tampering starts on Monday and free agency starts on Wednesday, if next this time next week, George, if we're talking about Jimmy G on the Texans, I think to me that guarantees they're they're, they're drafting either Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. That that's what that signals to me, just because I don't see the reason why. You would sign Jimmy G. And again, I think Jimmy G would sign with Houston to play. I don't think at this point he sees himself as a backup. I don't think he's going to the Texans to mentor Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. I think if Houston signs him, I think they're telling you, we're going to start Jimmy G. We're going to do basically the San Francisco route and we're going to sit Bryce, uh, excuse me, sit Anthony Richardson or Levis for a year, maybe two years, and then play them kind of like what the 49ers are doing with Trey Lance. That is what I, I would view if that's the case, and that's why I'm going to be looking at Jimmy G. Is uh, we talked about Orlando Brown in the last pod, and that's obviously a big name that hopefully you know maybe could make a big impact for the Colts. Um, now, definitely, I will say less likely considering just the the risk averse uh, or, or how risk averse Chris Ballard is. But Jimmy G. has now for me become the most watched free agent. Uh, next week, just because I do think he kind of shows and tips the hand a little bit of the Texans. Would you? How do you feel about that? Like, if they do, let's just say they do sign Jimmy G. Do you think, in your mind, if the Panthers do go at number one, would that, in your mind, eliminate Bryce Young from going two to the Texans? I,
1: I don't think Jimmy G. would would sign there if he thought Bryce Young was going to come to the Texans. Honestly. I would agree. You know, I, I think that that I think that would rule it out for him, uh, just because of what you're saying. You know, it's one thing. If Richardson or Levis, who are definitely not going to play in year one and might not play in year two, um, you're still grooming a guy, but it's a different kind of situation. Uh, I don't think he'd want to go somewhere where, you know, Bryce Young was coming in. Um, yeah, I, again, I I don't know, you know, how likely that is right now. My assumption is Stroud goes one, Young goes two, and the Cardinals are fielding offers at three for for whoever wants to come up for Anthony Richardson. You know, at that point, which I would not rule out the Seahawks at five. Um, it'd be interesting because they just signed that big deal with, with Geno Smith, but I wouldn't rule them out as a as a suitor to go up just a couple spots and get ahead of the Colts and, and take Anthony Richardson. Uh, you know, that, that's it's it's still a fascinating offseason. We've talked about that for a long time. It's changed. Uh it's certainly changed significantly here in the last few hours, uh, you know, today, but uh there's chance that the Colts are sitting there at four and Will Anderson's on the board, you know, the, arguably the best prospect in the draft, the best defense player in the draft. So I think it's, it's changed the math there. Uh, and that'll be an interesting, I, I would be really interested to see what the Colts do if they're sitting there at four
0: and the choice is Will Anderson or Will Levis. I tried. I tried to be optimistic. The realist came in. You are probably I'm saying the right thing, it. George, and not trying to get me excited because I'll be honest. About an hour, two hours after the news broke that the Panthers trade up to number one, I remember the Jimmy G reports uh, from this week. I'm like, oh, my God. That's the only shot I have left is just the fact that they, like Anthony Richardson, take a big swing on upside like the 49ers did with Trey Lance, and then Bryce Young is sitting there at number three. At that point, you got to go all in, but that's my only hope of seeing Bryce Young in a nice blue Colts number nine uniform. Is a 49ers, is a Texans basically being the 49ers uh, of the mid uh, mid south of the south, I guess.
1: I'm fairly certain that ship has sailed. I mean, you never say never in this league, but I thought the, really the one way to get him was to go up to one. I, I don't think he's going to make it past Houston. I really don't. Uh, he may not make it past Carolina, in all honesty. We'll see You know how they're feeling at the end of the day. That certainly sounds like they're going with CJ Shroud right now, uh, but they may go with Bryce Young. So we'll see where that ends as well. Uh, but I think the Colts now are are in the Anthony Richardson business, um, and we'll see. You know, going forward, how that plays out. Uh, I don't think it's by any stretch of imaginations is it guaranteed he's going to be there when the Colts are on the clock at four. So, um, yeah, I think that the landscape has changed a lot for them. This really the first time this offseason that I would say it's more likely that there's a veteran starting in Week One than a rookie. You know, I think we had kind of assumed. Uh, since the end of the season, that that was going to be the case, that there would be a rookie quarterback here and he would be starting uh, right away. And I think now it is far more likely that you're going to see somebody along the lines, Jameis Winston, you're going to hear that name a ton. Uh, Andy Dalton, and he seems to be the the favored guy right now to come in and, and start uh, ahead of your rookie quarterback. Um, somebody in that neighborhood, Gardner Minshew, he'd be fun at least. I, I think I'm probably on the Minshew train in that regard because... Uh, at the very least, just tracking his RV around would would, would make for some fun times. Uh, but that's it's first time this offseason that I can honestly sit here and say, I think they're going the veteran route again. We'll see how it ends. But that's I think that's where they're going.
0: I'm going to be sick. I am <laughs> truly going. like this is. I feel like. Honestly, look, I know it's only been five years. I get we've been spoiled, right? You go from Manning to Luck. I understand it, so I'm not trying to pretend like we're the Jets, pretend we're the Commanders who've been quarterback hell for forever. The Lions, like Bears, like there are plenty of teams that uh, have, that have never figured it out and then have just been in in this sh- spinning cycle of hell when it comes to finding the quarterback and swinging and missing. So I'm not trying to pretend like we are long suffering uh, fans of a team that can't figure it out, but I just I, I feel like I'm truly trapped on a ride. I hate – well, not hate roller coasters. I hate some of them. I hate more carnival rides, the ones that flip you upside down or the ones that spin you around really fast. Like mm-hmm. I get motion sickness, no good for me. I feel like I'm on one of those rides right now, and I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to my best to w- get someone attention to get me off, and I cannot. And it's not stopping. It's not letting anyone on. And more importantly, it's not letting anyone off. As I sit here, hear you talk about veteran – Jameis Winston is going uh, to be a popular name. I think mean, you're not wrong. You're not, yeah, I think you're probably right, especially now. Even if they do draft a quarterback, Richardson or Levis most likely, they are going to have to probably start a veteran for most of the year. Great. Can't wait for that. And it's like 2023 already feels like a lost year. There was excitement with Shane second. There's excitement that this is the year that they're going to finally break the curse, and now we're sitting here talking about Jameis Winston possibly as the week one starter. I'm going to be sick. Uh, this is –
1: the only optimism I can throw this out for you right now is, you know, Jalen Hurts was a second round pick. I guess that's that's the only you know thing I can throw out there. Maybe maybe Hendon Hooker's the answer.
0: So let's maybe go. Let's talk him options. And,
1: and uh, you know, maybe he's maybe he's the guy. I've been on the Hendon Hooker train for a you while. Have. You know that
0: you have. Um,
1: and I, I'm probably more on it today than I have been in a long time. He was impressive with the combine. I'll say that. That, that doesn't get many points. Uh, because it's not gonna matter, you know, what he does when he gets on the field. And there's there's serious questions about that Tennessee offense. I'm not even gonna pretend that there's not. Uh it, it certainly has some gimmicky elements to it. I thought he answered those questions well, though. He's a guy uh who has leaned on Peyton Manning a lot in his career. I think that would continue here. You know, there'd be any reason for Manning not to stay in his ear every day. He told him he told us at Combine that he talked to Peyton Manning before and after every game at Tennessee. Uh, I think he'd probably do that again here. Um, You know, I I think he's a very likable guy. He's got that underdog story, being an older guy, you know, coming in, taking off in Josh Heupel's offense, leading Tennessee. For me, the biggest argument in his favor, because there's a lot against him, the injury, how he's going to come back from that, the age, the offense. The biggest argument in his favor for me is that he transformed that program. And the guys that do that, always show up on my radar when he got to tennessee things were not going well for the volunteers and it got a little bit better in year one that he was there and then last year who knows how it ends if he's able to finish the season but they had they may have been in playoff in all honesty had he been healthy and played the whole year i don't know i think they were behind quite a bit when he got hurt yeah when he got hurt in south
0: carolina that game was basically done but
1: but they were you know they were one of the the best stories they were of of this college football season and he had a ton to do with that now are you still gonna have to do a lot of things we talked about with Richardson and Levis in terms of getting him help getting the right guy absolutely absolutely but right now he might be the guy that I would put my chips on you know he might be the guy I would push everything in on the table for for the simple fact that you've seen it and I think for me, that's a big thing with the quarterback. I'm not a big fan of projecting at that position. Other positions, I'm all about it. Dream all day about, you know, wide receivers 40 or a pass rushers, you know, bendingness. Any of that stuff makes total sense to me. But with quarterbacks, I, I like to have seen it a little more than you have from Richardson and Levis. Doesn't mean Ballard's on the same train. We know he's a traits guy. Levis and Richardson both have those in spades. There's no doubt. Chris Ballard could find fall in love with either one of those guys I think if if you look at his history both of them fit from that standpoint I just think Hannon Hooker uh, what he did at Tennessee he's probably not going to play next year that's a huge part of it you know he's probably not going to play next year but I'd almost be willing <clears throat> to do that just to see and you know if things go disastrously next year for you and you do find yourself the number one overall pick It's a good problem to have if you've got hooker and he's looking good in practice and you're going to have a chance to draft Caleb Williams. That's a problem that I would be happy to have as a franchise next year. If it, if it came about, uh, it's unlikely because any year the chances of you getting their one overall pick are not great, but I think I would, I would roll that way. Bring in whatever veteran you want to bring in, try to, you know, do your best to win as many games, stay as competitive with them as you can and then get Hooker in there the minute he's A, healthy, and B, you feel like the season's at a point where it's okay to, to turn it over to him.
0: So they think I know your answer, but okay. Let's talk about now options going forward here to wrap up the pod, George. Let's assume, unfortunately you're right, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, 1-2 off the board. So you have Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Henson Hooker. You have those three quarterbacks. How would you rank them in terms of You're, you know, if you were Chris Ballard, how would they kind of be on your big board? I would put hooker one
1: because of the cost, because I would rather take him early in the second round with that like 35th pick and go at four with, you know, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, uh, somebody like that, you know, or trade down there and get some more uh, firepower and, you know, grab somebody lower in that first round, maybe. Skaronsky or Paris Johnson Jr. or Somebody like that, you know, fill that left tackle role. Um, I would I would put Hooker at the top there. I'm not ignoring Richardson's upside at all. You know, I think people are going to feel like I'm anti Richardson right now. I'm I'm not anti Richardson. I'm anti his fit in Indy. I'm just not sure, again, the things that they said that they want from a quarterback. I'm just not sure he's that guy. I think if Seattle takes him, it's a perfect fit. He might become a star. Uh, I think it would be a really scary duo with him and, and DK Metcalf. If nothing else, to be a hell of a wrestling tag team. You know, I don't <laughs> know about on the football field, but I mean, those two freaks, that would be something else. Uh, so not, I want to make that clear. I'm not anti-Anthony Richards. I'm just not sure the fit in Indy is the right fit. I get, believe me, I get the idea of Jalen Hurts on steroids. And maybe that's the way they go. And maybe it works out that way. And maybe around November, or December, we're all talking about how great it looks with Anthony Richardson, how Shane Steichen has recreated what was going on in Philadelphia or is taking steps in that direction. But I, to me, that's not the most likely outcome with that situation. So I'm not, if I felt like it was, I put him one, I don't feel like it is. And then with Levis is three for me, because I just, I'll just say it straight up. I think the kid's fine. He seems like a really fun guy, his combine presser was maybe the the funniest of all of them. got into the mayonnaise and coffee and, you know, I, but I get a real Carson Wentz vibe just because of the turnovers Oh, I just feel like he's, he, you know, all the tools are there, but a couple times a game, he's just going to make that decision that just, you know, makes you pull your hair out. Maybe, maybe not again. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a a QB guru. If I was, I'd be employed somewhere in the NFL, making a lot more money, uh, than I am right now. That's for uh, sure. But from my point of view, watching the game as long as I have, being around this team, that's
0: the way I'd rank them, and those are the reasons. I am in total agreement on Will Levis. He is third without a doubt on my list of three. Now, I don't want to have this be a cop-out, but I do think it's circumstantial a little bit here. I would have, if you tell me right now, the Colts stay at four and Anthony Richardson's on the board, and, and no one, either someone trades up for Will Levis, God bless you, or the Cardinals sit there at three, they take an offensive player, and Anthony Richardson is on the board at four. I would have Will uh excuse me, Anthony Richardson number one out of those three options if you stay at four. I don't feel great about trading up for him, even though it's one spot. Again, if there's competition, the Cardinals can kind of hold an auction with the Seahawks, the Raiders, and the Colts have to give up a you know, the the pick 35 or God forbid, a first round pick next year. I don't know if that's you know, I don't as you know, competition makes the price. So that could get to a point where you have a bidding war the Cardinals sitting there just saying, all right, we got one first-round pick. We get two first-round picks. And so then like they're at an auction, it could get crazy. I don't want to trade up for Anthony Richardson. If I can get him at four, he's number one. If you're telling me, even moving up one, one place from four to three to get Anthony Richardson, I'm out. Personally, right now, I'm out on that, George. I'd have then Hendon hooker because like I said, I like the value. He's not going to play. He's older. There's definitely question marks for sure. But at least in round two, I like the value because not a lot of pressure. You can ease a guy in. It does not restrict you if if things go terribly this year and you sign Jameis Winston and the team wins four games next year. It does not restrict you from getting in the Caleb Williams or Drake May sweepstakes. That's for damn sure. So I would have if it's no trading up. Richardson, Hendon Hooker, one, two. If there is, you know, if you have to trade up in order to get Richardson, there's a big market for him. And if you don't, someone else is going to jump you at three to go get him. I'm out. You take him. I'll stay. You know, pick number four. He said Will Anderson. See about Jalen Carter if he could situate himself off the field. Tyree, like whatever, figure out what defensive player you love. Go there at number four. Take Hendon Hooker, or pick 35, and then go try to, you know, fill the team around him going from there. But Will Levis, definitely third. I'll just put a little more circumstantial one and two depending on – because I – Richardson, I do think if he figures it out, I think mm-hmm. could be the best quarterback in this draft in terms of, you know, he has everything where there's nothing stopping him. I just don't think he's going to do it. Like just the, the be, learning curve, like the, the chances of that happening are very slim. I mean, I'm always
1: rooting for, for stories because in my situation, that's what I care about more than anybody else. Right. I'm, I'm rooting for the best story. Uh, and that's why hookers won in, in part two, because that story is incredible. You know, everything he's already done, the underdog element it coming in off the injury. If, if it worked, it would be a great story, but Richardson's a tremendous, just amazing story too. I mean, you talk about he's talked about how he had to grow up, you know, so fast and carrying his his baby brother around on, on the handlebars of his bike, you know, as he's driving around campus down there in Gainesville. Uh, and I think there would be the Colts would be relevant again if Anthony Richardson's a pick at four. I would not hate that pick because their training camp might be the most attended by national media of anybody in the league. Everybody's going to want to come see him. He's going to be the greatest show on earth. Now he's got to back that up. And that's, and that's what you were talking about. But I think the initial interest, the initial punch would absolutely be there. I mean, the whole league will be coming in here to see how Anthony Richardson looks and to see if, in fact, he could become the next Jalen Hurts with Shane with Sykin. I'm with you. I just think if the Colts do business as usual, what we've seen from them the last six years under Chris Ballard, I don't think the Anthony Richardson experiment works here. Because I don't think they're going to do what it takes. They're not going to go trade for Stephon Diggs. They're not going to go get that big move. You know, if you look at both of those, and the guys you hear most with him are Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. Well, one of them got Stephon Diggs, and the other one got A.J. Brown. And I don't think the Colts are going to make that move. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I've been surprised before. Lord knows from my game picks, I (laughs) could very well be wrong. But that's my feeling on that. I would not hate the Anthony Richardson pick at four by any stretch of the imagination. I think he'd be a really fun kid to to cover, and I think the Colts would be relevant in the preseason at least if he's here.
0: Well, well, I mean, uh, we talked about relevancy in the preseason, you know, winning the headlines. (laughs) Congratulations. Doesn't lead to wins. It's not going to matter. That's going to lead to Chris Ballard being out of a job for sure. All right, two quick options here before we wrap up, George. No Bryce Young, no C.J. job, probably for the Colts. If you don't love Anthony Richardson, you don't love Will Levis, you're not sold or you're really concerned about Hendon Hooker and a lot of red flags there, Lamar Jackson. Should the Colts get involved with Lamar Jackson, pay the high price, pay two first-round picks, and bring Lamar to town? Should they do it?
1: If, If you had a legit chance to get him, I absolutely think you should. Uh, just because, what are we even talking about this entire show? Get off the carousel. Well, if you bring in a former MVP who's like 27, he might not, he's not that much 26. older. 26? 26. He, he might be the same age as Hinton Hooker, is what I was about to say. So, you're not dealing with, you're dealing with a guy who's very much in his prime, may not even quite be entering it yet. That's the scary thing about Lamar Jackson, is that his prime may still be a year or so away. You Look at you know how quarterbacks develop in this league. Uh, but so if, if there was a realistic shot, he'd be number one on my list. I'll be honest right now. Where we sit today with the Carolina Panthers as the number one overall pick in this this draft and them leaning towards C.J. Stroud and the thought process that Houston's going to take Bryce Young at number two, then my first option would be to, to make the trade for Lamar Jackson. And I understand the injury thing. That's the big drawback. And certainly the franchise that had Andrew Luck retire on them is going to take that under consideration, but I just think the upside there is not theoretical. We've seen it on the field. The upside is an MVP, a guy who can take you on a long playoff run. If you can protect him, keep him healthy. You're going to have to change his playing style a little bit, uh, but the offense would be, I I would be interested to see him run Jalen hurts offense. Honestly, I think it would be really a fun thing to see. Uh, but that being said, the reason I started this off by saying, if I thought it was legitimate, I don't really think he's available. And again, I could be proven wrong. I don't think Baltimore did this for any reason other than to see if somebody else will do their job for them. If somebody else will negotiate with him, get the long-term deal that they've been unable to produce, and then they can just match it. And and maybe it's just because I live you know in the Indy area. I just saw the Pacers go through this <laughs> with the Suns. You know, where they sign the offer sheet yeah, and right. the guy walks back. Maybe that's coloring this whole thing. But I just don't that to me would feel like a tremendous letdown and a tremendous waste of time. If you really believe you're talking to him, the good thing is you don't deal with here. You're talking directly with him. If you really believe there is a chance to get him because quarterbacks have a lot of leverage too. There are things he could do to make Baltimore feel uncomfortable. If you truly honestly believe that you can get him, then I would do it, but I would not waste all the time and effort. If Baltimore is just going to say, thanks for doing our job and, and, and welcome him back.
0: I hear you. I will say if if whether they get him or not, it would be nice to see Chris. Actually, I don't know. Actually, I say that now. I take that back. I'm not sure if I should be more frustrated or encouraged if Chris Ballard now all of a sudden is negotiating with Lamar Jackson because it's like, oh, there's that aggressiveness there. No aggressiveness when it comes to trading on up to get the number one overall pick. Um, if let's say you're wrong and let's say the Ravens are saying, you know what? Hey, look, you, get, you want to pay him? God bless it. Give us two first picks. Lamar is yours. I'll be honest, George. I'm still out on Lamar. I just have the injuries to me are absolutely concerned because that's the what, what concerns me too is the the injuries the last two years were not even related to his exact play style of running the ball. He got hurt in the pocket both times. One time to uh, one time trying to escape a sack two years ago against the Browns. Last year he was just in the pocket, got hit by a Broncos defensive lineman, hit it you know hurt his PCL and now he's out. So it's not like you could say like oh. You know he got hurt because of his running style, and we here in Indy we're gonna you know change his style a little bit to keep him safer. He got hurt in the pocket just doing normal football plays, which is a little concerning. Number one, number two, with the with the picks and the money, and we talk about giving. You know that's the thing too. If you're trading up to number one overall pick to get a quarterback, the benefit is okay. You get that rookie guy; he's on a rookie deal, so you have flexibility elsewhere. You're trading two first round picks and then giving Lamar Jackson. Two hundred thirty million dollars, two forty, like two. I don't two fifty, like fully guaranteed, close to it. You're giving him a ton of money. The Colts, like you mentioned before, do not have a lot of cap space in general. They have holes they got to fill. You sign Lamar Jackson to a long term deal. See you later, Jonathan Taylor. Probably see you later, John uh, Michael Pittman Jr. And it just gets tougher to build a team around him. And you said it before. I don't right now trust Chris Ballard to do everything possible to put the best team around Lamar Jackson. He is conservative by nature. Once in a while, we see aggressive moves like DeForest Buckner. But for the most part, those are right now the anomalies compared to the norms. So if you go get Lamar, you have to go all in on building a team that fits him perfectly because he's a different style quarterback. I don't trust right now Chris Bauer to do that. And I don't think the Colts have a lot of flexibility roster-wise salary cap wise and draft pick wise to make that happen to where I know he's only 26. Let's just say it's a five-year deal. Honestly, with where the Colts are right now, George, maybe year one's a wash in terms of Super Bowl contention. Like maybe they can be a playoff team, John and Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr. on manageable contracts. But it's like the longer he's here, the harder it's going to be to build a team around. And I just don't think right now with where the Colts are, they can make a big plunge To kind of go all in on a quarterback and then open their window up right now. So, part of the reason why I love the rookie quarterback idea, build a young team with a young quarterback and have everyone kind of ascend to eventually open up that window where they're not there right now. And now it's all of a sudden, okay, run it over, windows open. If you get Lamar, I just don't think you're ready for it.
1: Those are all really good points. And I'll tell you, my wife's with you. She doesn't, she doesn't think you should make the the move either. So, she's, she's even in my own household, I'm I'm (laughs) outvoted on this one. Uh, But I just, I guess for me, it's just that idea of, you know, I think Lamar could be one of those guys, if he stays healthy, that can do a lot and can change a team on his own. We've seen him do it in Baltimore before, not take him all the way, but they had, you know, number one seed while he's been there. He's been MVP. Um, I just think he's a special, special quarterback When He's healthy. That's a big, that's right. a big key here. Um, you know, and obviously you'd have to feel pretty good about that. You're playing to keep him healthy. Like you said, it hasn't been, You know, it's not like he got hurt on the sideline, you know, at the end of one of these runs, it's, it's been in the pocket, you know, and, and certainly the Colts, what we've seen, he could get hit in the pocket. Oh, so
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> there's no question. And I think that's what makes it hard right now. When you look around and it's been that way the whole off season, I mean, we were in agreement, that you go up and, and, and give what it takes, you know, pay the price to get Bryce. That that didn't last long, unfortunately. Oh, that's but, right. But now it has to it go away. As, you know, but it was gone. Just as it was. Um, but, but there were no easy. And I think that's – it underscores what we said at the beginning, you know, the show. There, there's no easy answers. There's no easy move here. I think everything we've just talked about, some of them, you know, maybe have a little more optimism to them than others. But every one of these moves, you're paying a price to a certain extent. And that's just the way it goes. You're going to bring a quarterback in. You know, if it's Anthony Richardson, you're dealing with the possibility of him not getting, you know, where you want him to go, not being able to put it all together. You've got a tremendous, almost superhero style, physical prospect here, but you still are taking the risk that it's going to look like it did at Florida. You know, Will Levis. Okay. Can arm seems like a real leader from everything you hear on that, that campus down in Kentucky, Another guy to a certain extent helped transform a program. Certainly, have more success there than they had before he got there. But decision making, turnovers, huge problem for this football team. You want to go down that road again? You know what I mean? And then with Lamar, the cost in terms of cash is is real and is tremendous. And you're dealing with an injury standpoint. So I think that there is no easy way out of this. And, you know, I think anything you do, there's risk involved. And it's gonna be interesting to see what the Colts ultimately determine that their best course of action is.
0: Speaking of which, let's let's finally here wrap up, George, with this last option. So we've talked about, you know, Richardson versus Levis versus Hendon Hooker. How would you feel comfort-wise about drafting one of those three guys? Because presumably those are the next three quarterbacks at the Colts that's basically the pool the Colts are gonna be working with, assuming Bryce Young and T.J. Shaw go in order or some order one-two, which you think we will. What if you don't like? Anthony Richardson. And you've mentioned before, you're very hesitant on the fit uh, here in Indy with, with Anthony Richardson. We're both Adam Will Levis, and Henton Hooker has a lot of questions about him. Again, the value is there round two. That's one of the upsides, but also there's a lot of other questions about him. Chris Bell has talked a lot about conviction. This is the one thing I will agree with him with. You don't take a quarterback to take a quarterback. If he does not feel great about Richardson, Levis, Henton Hooker, you go to the tank. Because I think I would. At this point, if you don't like any of the three other guys, I hate to say it, it could get Chris Ballard fired. This might be maybe where Jim Irsay is to step in and say, look, we're not taking a guy that no one likes. It's a tough pill for Shane Second in year one to swallow. I understand it. But here's Jameis Winston. Here's Andy Dalton. We're going to go 3-14, and 14, and we're going to try to get ourselves Caleb Williams, maybe Drake May, because we're certainly not taking a quarterback to just take a quarterback. And then sputter our wheels for three years. That's the thing, too. That's the only thing else. Like, if you take a pick, I know the, the, the Cardinals have done it with Josh Rosen. So, I get it's been done before. But especially with Richardson, Levis, and Hooker. Hooker, injury-wise, probably won't play a good amount of this next year. Richardson, Levis, projects, and everyone presumes they're going to sit the first year. It's very hard to move off of a guy that you never seen play before and you spend maybe the fourth overall pick. Or God forbid you trade up to number three to draft him and move off of uh move off of after one year uh without seeing him play. You don't draft a quarterback, you go Will Anderson at four, keep on building the team around him. You you try to then go all in on 2024. Is tanking an option again? I mean, they didn't say they did it, but they basically did it hiring Jeff Saturday. Are we going back down that same road possibly in 2023?
1: You're not gonna. Ever sell the guys in the locker room on that? So right. you know that that's that's the, always the trouble with that. The Dolphins tried it, and Brian Brian Flores just did too good of a job, and you know they ended up not getting the guy that they were targeting, uh, but they did get Tua. So you know, uh, eventually, I guess he kind of was the guy they were targeting early on, but they didn't get Joe Burrow, who ended up being the guy by the time the draft right. rolled around. Um, but you know, I I don't know. I don't think you're going to hear it in so many words, but I definitely think look if you're not sold on one of these guys you can't take them that's that is a recipe for disaster if you're just saying well we've just got to take a quarterback so we're just going to take a guy we don't care who it is that's worse than anything else you can do so i I would not do that uh and i definitely if quarterbacks go one two three i would definitely take Will anderson and and be pretty happy that you filled a pretty important need not the one you thought you were going to fill not the biggest one not the one that needs to be filled but that'd be a pretty good pretty good consolation prize uh, with him coming on to that defense. and you put him next to DeForest Buckner uh, and help keep devote you know, developing Quiddy Pay, that defensive line is going to look pretty good. And if you can find the quarterback down the road, it's going to help you with that matter. Is it going to help Chris Ballard? I don't know. That'll be an interesting, you know, that's another interesting part of this. Maybe a pick that's made by somebody else. Um, but I don't know they've got much option because the thing it is, I think it's interesting, whether you're tanking or not, and whether that's the, the terminology or not, Look we're just talking about the odds right now are better that a veteran quarterback is gonna be starting than they are that not. Because even if you take Anthony Richardson at four or Will Levis at four or later, if you trade back, odds still are pretty good that you're gonna end up and if it's in and hooker, you're definitely he's not starting. So odds still are pretty good that you're gonna end up with a veteran for at least the first month of the season. Right. And I think that's a highly conservative estimate, unless there's an injury. I mean, that's always you know, that, that's always played into that too. But um, so even if it's, I, I don't know that that, I guess that's the thing. To me, I don't know that that's the question because I think you're going to end up with Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton or Marcus Mariota or somebody like that under center anyway to start the year, no matter what the
0: plan is now. So it's, yeah. And see, I'll say this I am against season long tankings. I think it's just so hard to do. And again, look at the Texans. They thought for, 95% of the year that their plan was going to work and they're going to get Bryce Young. And then the last game, of course, Lovie Smith wins it. And I thought at least opened up a door for the Colts. Little do we know that that was actually opened up the door for the for the Panthers instead. Congrats to you, Frank Reich. You finally got a quarterback, of course, at the expense of the Colts. Thanks thanks for that, Frank. But congrats to you, I guess, in, in a sense. The revenge of Frank Reich. But I just think tanking before, like having that be your offseason plan is so hard to execute, mm-hmm. so hard to do, almost impossible to do. So, but again, like it could be unofficial tanking because I who knows, like, if they even try next year anyway, if you have one of those quarterbacks you just listed as your starter, you're not gonna win many games anyway. So mm-hmm. if you don't feel conviction about any of the other three quarterbacks outside of Stroud and Young, don't take a quarterback. That straight there, don't take a quarterback, figure it out. It's gonna suck. I hate to say it. Punt another year on the carousel. I mean, you know, I don't even know if Jimmy G's worth it. I mean, just Jameis Winston, Andy Dole, whoever, Gardner, Minshew, maybe, and just ride it out and honestly see where you land from there and hope if Chris Ballard is still the GM, which I don't even know if he'll make it through next year, I kind of doubt if they have another three wins. I don't think so, and hope the new GM will not make the same mistake and be aggressive, and if there's an opportunity to trade up to number one next year, they don't have the pick, be aggressive and do so. But, yeah, I think the one thing I will say is if you don't, like Richardson, Levis, Helker, don't force it. Don't take. It.
1: Yeah, don't force it. That's the biggest to me. That's the biggest mistake you can make in this league is when you just start going, Oh, there's a need here, and I'm just gonna take the best player at that position. Uh, that's how you know that's how the Lions pass on Aaron Donald. You don't want to do things like that. Uh, people in Detroit still trying to kill the, the front office for that. Uh, and rightfully so, because yeah. Aaron Donald's probably a good piece to have on your football team. Um, that's, I think that's what you do. And it's, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a really bitter pill to swallow. Uh, it probably is anyway, though. I think that's, that's the point that we've been trying to make. If Anthony Richardson works out, odds are, it's not going to be in 2023. It's probably going to be 2025, 2026. When you start to feel like, Ooh, that was, this was the right move. This went really well. Now you could get signs of it. I guess from a win loss standpoint, it's probably not going to be 2023. If he works out, you definitely, there'll be elements. There we go. You know what? I don't know what was happening in Florida. This guy's got all the talent in the world and it, you know, this is going to really work out. There could be indications of that before 2025 or 2026, but I would be shocked if there's a winning record before that period comes along. And that's, it's a bitter pill to swallow, but that's where they're at. Uh, and it might've been the case with Stroud or, or uh young as well. So, and you know, I'll tell you what, the NFL is this giant soap opera who knows what the next turn is who you know what the next chapter is here, Um but I will say this: I'll just go on the record now because I know the question's coming. I don't think they're going to get in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. I think it's possible they kick the cool. tires on Lamar no. Jackson. I do not think they're going to get in the, in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes.
0: Do not want Aaron Rodgers. That would not be a good for Utah. But then I didn't think they. I'd want. I didn't want Lamar just because I don't think they're ready to win right now. They are definitely not ready to win right now with a 39 year old quarterback. Who uh, who has trouble getting along with his wide receivers? That's for sure. So,
1: and fairness, I don't think
0: Rogers want to be here either.
1: So that's also I mean, I it's very be true. Mutual.
0: Right? Yeah, I don't. I would say it's more Rogers saying thanks for no thanks than it's going to be Chris Bauer saying thanks for no thanks. I would I definitely agree with you there. A bitter pill to swallow. George is a perfect place to end this because honestly, I thought going in maybe this would be a little cathartic. Still very frustrated. Five hours after the news broke when we started recording this about. Colts missing out on the first pick and thus missing out eventually in Bryce Young. And I will say now that we've gone about, what, an hour and change, I feel just as bad as I did an hour before this podcast started. I was hoping to feel better. I was hoping to let it all out and okay. Like, okay, it's all out. You feel a little better. I feel terrible. I feel awful. Not even, George, a Penn State Big Ten tournament win over Northwestern at the buzzer could Mm -hmm. help that help the feeling go away. The numbness, the frustration, the anger, the depression, it's all still there. So if you are listening and feel the same way, just know, we feel your pain.
1: I'll tell you, um, no joy in Mudville, right? That, that, that's kind of the sign today.
0: No joy in Mudville. I think that might be the title of this podcast. That is, that is very fitting for sure. So that'll do it on this depressing Worst case scenario, emergency podcast version of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. We do appreciate you listening. We, we do appreciate you. Misery does love company. So at least if we're going to be miserable, we appreciate you uh, making or, or joining us here and being miserable with us. So if you want more friends to join the misery, make sure you do tell your friends about us. It. The Blue Horseshoe Pod on YouTube, Blue Horseshoe Pod, wherever you do get your podcasts. Again, we are the Blue Horseshoe Pod feed with the bright blue logo. That is our new feed. Make sure you you uh, subscribe to that one where all our brand new shows will be uploaded going forward. So have a great rest of your – well, it's very late, but have a, if you're listening right now as soon as it drops, have a great rest of your Friday night. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Unpack more of this trade and, and what the hell the Colts could do and, and also start getting to the legal tampering period and what actual moves are starting to be made. So okay busy next week. The pain, I'm sure, will still be there, so looking forward to that. But, George, have a great weekend, man.